Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Well, Matt, here we are again in front of the mics. I think it's important that we talk a little bit about the personnel on location. You always hear, you know, different positions being thrown out or different roles on a rig, whether it's, uh, you know, you're the driller or the tool pusher or the directional hands or mud engineers. I mean, there's just a, there's a whole team of people. And I think it's probably important for us to kind of break down what it is and everyone's role and responsibility and who reports to who uh, to give people an idea. What do you think? I agree. I mean, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people, I think, know a few of the terms and I, I think they might understand a little bit of what goes on, but even understanding the relationships as far as, you know, who works for the oil and gas company, who were, who keeps the drilling rig running. Um, and most of the time, I think service companies, they're just completely unaware in, in some ways, although perhaps they've learned a few things from our past couple of episodes. <laughs> right, hopefully. Yeah, it's, it's important. And the, the sort of the hierarchy on a rig is followed very strictly. And it's almost some people, if you're sports oriented, you could relate it to sports. Uh, oftentimes people that are sort of ex-military kind of have some, they, they find some commonalities uh, because ultimately there's a leader on location um, and sort of people who work underneath them who then people work underneath them. So Matt, why don't we kind of describe sort of sort of the overall who works for the operator, who the drilling contractor is and so forth. Sure thing. I mean, what's interesting is that when you think of a drilling rig, you think of an oil and gas company. I mean, it's their oil and gas that will ultimately be produced, but they actually have the fewest number of people on location at a drill site. Um, Most everybody else is involved in making sure the rig keeps drilling and and that sort of thing. But the operator typically has one representative, uh, the the. PC term now is drilling consultant, but most people would know them as the company man. Or drill site leader or drill site manager or also some other terms that have been, you know, been named. Depending on the oil company, they have different names. But yeah, that makes sense. Sure. And, and ultimately, everybody kind of reports back to them. Now, this is the person who's responsible for the oil and gas company's money and what they're every day, how much money they're spending, what they're doing to control costs, and of course, uh, deliver the well efficiently and safely. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the top dog, if you will, um, at any rig site. Right. And he spends the majority of his time, uh, you know, in his trailer house, making sure that he's executing the plan that the oil company and all the service companies have collectively put together. Yes. Uh, typically, you start with a, a drilling program and the company man or drilling consultant or whatever you, you call them ultimately is in charge of executing that plan. Depending on which way you look at it, he could kind of be considered as the general manager, if you will. Sure. With a football team, you know, everybody kind of answers to the GM. They select personnel and uh, certainly can send them packing if, if things aren't going well. But anybody else at, at the rig site ultimately has to answer to that GM if we're using a football team analogy. Right. So, and when we talk about rig, the oil company doesn't actually own the rig. 
do they? No, they don't. Uh, and that's something I think that's often misunderstood as well is, is they're actually paying typically to rent that. Now, granted, there are some exceptions to that, but um, almost exclusively, you could say that they uh, they pay a day rate for that rig and they're more or less renting it for a certain period of time. And they can renew that or it could be passed on to another oil and gas company down on the, down the road. And that's a perfect term to use is they're essentially renting the rig. And on top of that, they're also renting the personnel to that's, run the rig. Yes. Then you get into kind of the second group and, and this would be kind of the 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 players and the and the coach of the team um, where the drilling contractor has a whole group of people designed to keep that rig running um, and maintain your standard rig site activities fix things that break down uh, oil and grease equipment uh, stack pipe keep the site organized uh, all those things let's kind of go through the hierarchy uh, with related to drilling contractors. The top dog who everyone reports to on the drilling contractor side is known as the tool pusher. He, him and the, the uh, drilling consultant or the company man rather, uh, they work closely together in what, in such that the company man, uh, he will often give orders to the tool pusher and then the tool pusher will get with his team of people uh, and he'll give orders and then in such a, they'll, they'll take those orders and they have a team of people that help execute, uh, whatever tasks are given for the day. Most people may have heard, well, may or may not have heard of a tool pusher. That's uh, kind of an interesting term, but then, um, who goes next on the, uh, the kind of order hierarchy? The one who, the, the next person would be the driller. Uh, the driller is in charge of operating the rig. He's the one in the doghouse, uh, another interesting term in the oil field, and it's basically a little shack on top of the rig floor. So he he kind of commands the rig. He has a bunch of hands that work underneath him, uh, again, that do a lot of the labor tasks. The driller doesn't do a lot of the labor tasks. He's more the facilitator. Uh, the, so he So the tool pusher will then say, hey, we need to execute this. Uh, the driller will then get with his team of, you know, diff- either four or five guys uh, that work on the rig as, uh, you know, worker bees, if you will. Uh, and then underneath that, uh, you have a gentleman who mud engineers work very closely with uh, are the derrick hands. And Matt, kind of describe what a derrick hand's responsibilities are. Well, derrick hand is actually kind of in charge of a lot of things. Um, on the drilling fluid side, uh, you know, Bear in mind, we'll, we'll talk about service companies, but we're not, in most cases, even legally allowed to lift and handle materials. We make technical recommendations. The derrick hand, we would, we would actually go to and say, hey, I need you to add five sacks of this product to get the fluid back in shape. Um, and so the derrick hand will handle all the fluid movements, um, lo- look after a number of uh, the other activities, and then, of course, that term derrick, they actually spend time up in the derrick uh, when we're making connections, actually screwing together the pipe as we continue to drill further. And then when we're pulling pipe out of the hole, when we're done drilling a section, uh, they'll actually be up there racking back the pipe. Um, and so they're pretty busy, um, and they're kind of involved in a little bit of everything. Yeah, as Matt stated, they, uh, they're, they're the mud engineer's right-hand man. Uh, without a, a good derrick hand that works closely with us, it makes our job pretty difficult. Uh, so we spend a lot of time making sure that that derrick hand's happy because he has a lot of responsibilities. 
uh, in talking about him, he's in sort of he's in charge on the rig of, of moving fluids and executing uh, different tasks related to you know his mud tanks uh, and and up in the derrick. But uh, not only that, but he's also responsible for uh, repairing the mud pumps. So he spends a lot. Of, so he has to be very mechanically inclined. He has to have a basic understanding of, of fluid and, and chemistry. And when I say basic, I mean sort of understanding how to collect uh, information such as your fluid density, uh, your viscosity, some of the most basic properties that us in the drilling fluid world key in on. Uh, so he, he's got, uh, he's, he's pretty well versed on, on what's going on with the rig and even what's kind of going on down hole. Uh, again, and he's got to be mechanically inclined to help fix mud pumps when needed. Uh, and the gentleman who works under him, uh, sort of under a, as a dotted line would be a term most people maybe have not heard of as of a motorman. And I want to acknowledge that I've mentioned he when referring to a lot of these positions. And again, that's just simply because of my experience on a rig. This is a predominantly male-dominated industry uh, and more specifically relating to drilling contractors. There are – I've met women on location and granted, there's roles for everybody. So again – Nothing, no disrespect, and certainly not excluding anybody from any of these roles. It's simply what you've experienced, and and I share in the same. I find that with the service companies, I've met a number of of females, um, but on the on the drilling contractor side, I really haven't come across any. So the term motorman, and I'm going to preface by saying. When I worked on rigs, uh, I moved my way up into a motorman position, and even on my pay stub as a position, it showed you know it showed my role as motorman. So that's just a term that you know was came up however many decades ago, uh, and I would imagine things have changed now. But that being said, uh, again, females slowly are continuing to gain uh, more positions within the oil and gas industry, and I think it's fantastic. But uh, again, no disrespect to anybody out there or any women that work on a drilling rig. I have the mo- most utmost respect for anybody that's working on a drilling rig. However you want to identify yourself is completely up to you. But again, uh, with my experience on a rig, it's been predominantly males. But uh, again, it can be for anybody. Yeah, well, now that you've danced your way out of that one, um, why don't you go ahead and tell <laughs> us what a motorman is? Uh, so again, a motorman, he or she... Uh, is responsible for a lot of the like the basic mechanics on the rig. Uh, they will typically get orders from the either the tool pusher or the driller. Uh, a lot of the equipment out there has different dials and readings and pressure uh, pressure um, meters, gauges. pressure gauges. And so the motorman will typically go around uh, and just make sure all the equipment's running. And if not, he's got a pretty good or she's got a pretty good understanding of uh, the mechanics and how to fix it or at least report the problem to the tool pusher to which then a lot of times they have a a mechanic who uh, works for the drilling contractor to come out or a third-party mechanic that will come out and fix whatever equipment is needed. Uh, they also help trip pipe oftentimes um, on the on the rig floor, and they, or at least when I was in that role, uh, the floor hands worked directly underneath me. So a lot of times I would give orders to the floor hands, um, to which you know they would 
do daily tasks. A lot of it would be physical labor and such like that. Uh, but the motorman is, is pretty basic. Make sure all the fluid levels are topped off, grease everything. Uh, essentially, it's, it, it's a basic mechanic to the rig. Okay, and you mentioned floor hands, or as we also call them, roughnecks. Um, what, are, what are the floor hands, roughnecks, whatever you want to call them, what are, what are they up to? So they are the busy bees. Uh, they do all the stuff on the rig that nobody else wants to do. Uh, when I was a floor hand or a roughneck, I, clean, I did everything from trip pipe to clean the tool pusher's uh, bathroom. There's nothing on a rig that the floor hands or roughnecks pretty much – there's nothing that they can't do or at least are given the tasks to do. Uh, so they do everything from clean the rig. They help the motorman. Uh, they help the derrick hands mix mud. Uh, but if you were to say the most important role for them is, is on the actual rig floor. And that's when we're making connections. They use what we call tongs. They're, they're big wrenches that uh, connect the drill pipe together, uh, disconnect the drill pipe, uh, so they spend a great deal of time on the rig floor. But standard drilling operations, they're running around cleaning things, keeping the rig tidy, helping out where they can. Uh, a lot of times if there's other service companies on location, they're responsible for helping them, guiding them. Uh, they spend a lot of time on forklifts as well, moving drill pipe around, moving equipment around. Uh, if someone comes with a new bit, they'll typically run over and help the gentleman or lady, whoever's bringing it out to location, unload from the truck, bring it to the rig floor. Um, yeah, they basically do whatever the, either the motorman, derrickman, driller, or tool pusher ask. Right. And so when you're watching all that stock video on the news, when they talk about the price of oil and they show people on a rig, the guys who are swinging those things to screw the pipe together or break it apart, those are the roughnecks or the floor hands. Um, the name coming obviously from standing around on the rig floor and doing that task. But as you mentioned, they're doing a lot of other things. And uh, so that's pretty much it. Now, again, some drilling contractors have a basically a, a sixth person on location. Um, back home where I'm from, we called them lease hands. Down here, they called them roustabouts. Uh, they're kind of a third floor hand. And essentially, their job is to walk around the rig, clean up garbage, clean and help help wherever they can. So you could say that even though the roughnecks are doing the least desirable things, they end up doing what the roughnecks don't want to do. Essentially, yeah. Uh, again, I start off as a lease hand, and for two weeks straight, all I think I did was dig ditches around the rig to make sure that water uh, basically flowed away from the rig. And so, yeah, I mean, you're digging ditches, you're scrubbing walls, uh, you're helping anyone that needs help. Uh, so again, you're a busy bee. They always told me I get paid from the neck down. So anytime I started thinking or giving suggestions, they didn't want to hear it. So I was reminded constantly that every dollar I made was from the neck down. <laughs> so if that makes any sense, hopefully it does. That's a great expression. And, and, you know, the other part of it, like, like you mentioned is you, you work your way up. Um, and, and the, the thing about this clear hierarchy is, you see people who are kind of aspiring to, you know, make a career for themselves and they start out as a roustabout and you see what you're made of or a floor hand. And, um, you know, you talk to the driller and, and the driller will say, yeah, I, I hope to make, or I hope to make tool pusher someday. Um, and there's, there's kind of these clear levels that, um, uh, these hands find, you know, a way to work their way up. And in the, in the drilling contractor world, it's particularly clear, I guess is the way to 
describe it? Yeah, there's a ladder. Everyone's trying to climb it, uh, which, you know, if you think about it, most of these, well, nowadays, almost all drilling contractors work 12-hour towers, which means you come in at 6 o'clock in the morning, you leave at 6 o'clock at night. Uh, there's two, typically two crews. So you have, you know, two, two, two drillers, two derrick hands, two motorman. Uh, and then there are actually four floor hands and then typically two rouseabouts or lease hands. And they, they work opposite each other uh, because the drilling rig operates 24 hours a day. So that being said, uh, there's a lot of competition out there to outperform your peers. So it can get pretty, it can get pretty hairy out there. And I, I you know, remember being on a rig uh, where the derrick hand always wants to be the driller and the driller always wants to be the tool pusher. So everyone's trying to impress the tool pusher out there. And again, this is just through my experience. Uh, this was, you know, back in the early 2000s where guys would still go to the end of the catwalk and fight. I, I, I remember seeing our driller and, and derrick hand, they would disagree on something and they'd get on a shoving match on the rig floor. And, you know, being a lease hand, I mean, I didn't know, you know, if this was normal and, and guys would just let them fight it out. Uh, it never got real physical, but definitely some shoving and pushing. And it's it's just it's maybe that's a little bit more cowboy than it, what it is now. I'd imagine there's still get you know there's probably some still some heated arguments out there, but it it can get pretty you know competitive out there. Most of the time now they know about like lawyers and stuff, so they actually leave the location after their <laughs> shift is up to fight. But <laughs> it, they're not too far removed from that. And and I, I, the other thing I, I want to point out. Um, you know, we mentioned that there are two towers, uh, six to six. In in most cases, some shift over at twelves. There's there's other time periods, but um, usually, kind of the the lead crew is the day crew. The less senior, less experienced is the night crew. Um, and not only that, but it's not uncommon in these remote areas that uh, everybody's staying on the rig, sleeping in a trailer. Yeah, that uh, that's pretty common. Um... I know, you know, depending if you're in a, like an extremely remote area, a lot of times, yeah, you'll live on location or they'll set up man camps uh, or that's what they called them back when I was in the field. So they may be called something different now, but uh, it's where everyone would stay in this in this little camp uh, and they would have a, a company out there that would basically do lodging and cooking and, and kind of cleaning, help do your laundry and stuff like that. Uh, so you can imagine, you spend a lot of time with these folks. Um, they become your family. Uh, I know m- more about some of the guys I've worked with on a rig than I know about my own family. So it, it creates a really interesting dynamic. Um, and the, the interesting thing, too, about people working on a drilling rig, especially from a drilling contractor standpoint, is you get people from all walks of life. Uh, I mean, I had people that were ex-teachers, ex-people who worked at Walmart, um, guys who had degrees from other parts of the world who came to North America to better themselves and they got thrown on a rig. So it was really interesting for me in such that it really allowed me to grow myself as a person and really learn how to work with anybody and everybody. Cause you have to work as a team and kind of how we referenced before, it's almost like a football team. Everyone has their part but unless everyone's doing their job, the, the ultimate job is not going to get done. So you have to learn how to work together. And chances are you're not going to like everybody. And you may be in a position that the people underneath you don't want to work for you. So you really have to, like I said, just learn to work with people who you may not like or who may not like you. So it's uh, 
it was almost like a rite of passage for me as a person uh, working on a rig. And I think it probably goes for anyone, even on the service side that, that work, you know, on a rig is you really get to know uh, your peers and really learning to work together is it's a, it's a, it's a pretty neat experience one, you know, when all the fire or when all the cylinders are firing. So anyway, just a little bit of, a little bit of addition to that. But No, I think it's good context. I mean, you think about some of the friendly competition that that can actually happen between the day crew and the night crew, or yeah. you know, just different. Um, you know, hey, we're gonna we're to drill this many feet while you guys are sleeping. Um, we're gonna pull pipe faster. We're gonna, you know, uh, there there's just a, a lot of those sort of one-upsmanship, and um, it kind of keeps everybody sharp. And like you said, all walks of life. Um, it's very humbling. And one thing that I love about the oil field, and especially with drilling contractors, is um, it's a second chance for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and if you're willing to work hard, you can see the path ahead and, and move up quickly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, people don't look at your history when you get on a rig or your, or your credentials when it comes to schooling or, you know, whether you even went to school or have a college degree. It's like, if you can, if you can work your butt off, uh, and commit yourself, there's opportunity in the oil field. And then, and again, like you said, second chance, I, I worked with a lot of guys who had, you know, unfortunately had made some poor decisions in life, went to jail. And, uh, there was a time in the oil field where, I mean, the first drilling contractor I worked for, I didn't even have to do a drug test. So, I mean, you can see, obviously anyone could get on a drilling rig. And if you have any bit of work ethic, uh, you'll get respect out there. So it's, it's interesting. Now things have changed quite a bit. Obviously now they take drug and alcohol, uh, extremely serious. I think it's a zero tolerance for most drilling contractors or really anyone who goes on location now. But, uh, Again, it's given people who otherwise may have been in, in horrible positions in life a second chance. And um, guys, you know, drillers back in the day, uh, I don't know what they make now, but, you know, there's guys that didn't have any education that were probably making over 100 grand a year. Canadian, which maybe down here is like 40 grand, but still, it's pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Matt, why don't we talk a little bit about sort of the, the supported uh, people on location that that aren't part of the drilling contractors and or the operators. Sure. Okay. So let's let's draw out the metaphor again. So you got your general manager with the operator. That's your tool pusher, or not your tool pusher, your company man. I'll, I'll start that over. So you've got the operator is represented by the company man or the drilling consultant. That's kind of the GM of the team. Um, let me get the right players. Let me. Uh, I I have res- ultimate responsibility over everything. Um, the drilling contractor is sort of, um, that's, that's the football team itself. So the tool pushers, the coach, and then you have all these different position players as, as we sort of described with the driller and the Derek hand, um, and a few others. Um, and then you get into some sort of specialists and I kind of consider this like the team doctor, um, you know, so some of those, the, the nutritional specialists where, um, you might be able to do some things without them but a really effective operation needs them. Um, and they carry a special set of skills that make everything else hopefully work better. That's um, a great way to put it, Matt. Uh, it's, it's like Matt said, you could get, you could, you could drill a well without your supported services. Uh, and by supported services, we're talking about the drilling fluid, uh, drilling fluids contractor, the directional contractor, uh, you know, solids control contractors. Those are all, pieces of the puzzle that aren't 100% necessary. But at the end of the day, if you want to drill a successful well and deliver it to your completions department, you better have 
those people on location to help execute the drilling. You know, and there's a few of those roles you've already mentioned. You know, of course, we got to start with the mud engineer, the drilling fluid specialist, because that's what we know best. Um, and we've already talked about what drilling fluid does and, and that role, but this person is is staying on location and making sure that drilling fluids um, in check. But but like we mentioned, they're working very closely with the rig crew, anyways, to make sure that the product is added, um, how much fluid movements, that kind of thing. Um, and there's a few other roles, uh, especially when you're drilling horizontally. Uh, directional driller. Uh, so normally there's special equipment to help drill horizontally and maintain uh, the heading of the direction that you're actually drilling towards. Um, so there will be a, a directional driller on hand to help with that. Um, the question is, of course, also where am I? Uh, and we call that the, the measurement while drilling or MWD hand. Um, You'd mentioned a, a solids control specialist. So uh, if there's a lot of solids control equipment to help keep the drilling fluid clean and, and get the cuttings out, uh, there's usually somebody out there who's actually making sure that equipment's running properly, turning it on, turning it off, maintenance. Um, so, and, and most of these are, are your typical standard profile folks that you'd see. Right. Um, and then they're out there for the majority of the well. Uh, when directional drillers and MWD hands, a lot of times they'll come in uh, after you drill surface hole. But on a standard, you know, drilling operation, those services are going to be needed. Uh, now, of course, there's other people who come and go just depending on the tasks that are being uh, executed at the time. Um, but again, Matt pretty much described it without getting into the details. Uh, those those are supported services, and, and that's essentially what makes up uh, all the personnel on a drilling rig uh, under normal operations. You know, we talk a lot about different personalities in the oil field. Um, do you see any of these these folks in particular um, and just kind of the, the personality traits that suit their roles? Well, I can say, I definitely say most drillers and tool pushers are alpha males. Uh, they like to be leaders. They're loud. Uh, a lot of times they're a little bit obnoxious, but they like control. Uh, they're control freaks. So, um, you know, granted there are people that are, you know, in those roles who don't necessarily fit that mold, but uh, most drillers you see on a rig, they're they're the alpha. They're yeah. They're definitely the dog and uh, they like to bark orders, and they like everyone to know that they're in charge. Um, but and then a lot of times, you know, the company men, they're they come all sort of sh you know shapes and sizes. I mean, they, yeah, I, you know. But honestly, Matt, I would say for most people to work on a rig, you kind of have to somewhat be alpha, uh, alpha male, uh, you, or female. Alpha female, that's true, yeah. <laughs> um, or basically, it's a lot, you know, just thick skin and be able to be confident in your roles. But, uh, you know, another one that <laughs> I, so for me, again, the motor man is kind of funny. They, uh, a lot of times they kind of fly under the radar. And I got a joke because I, I worked with a guy and, um, you know, again, it was a gentleman. He was in his 30s and uh, we called him Big Red. And he, you knew things were getting done, but you could never see where he was. And a lot of times you'd catch him sleeping. I mean, and he didn't want to move up to Derek Ann because that meant taking his big butt. I think he was like 300 some pounds up to Derek. So a, a lot of times the motormen that I worked with, uh, that's as far as they wanted to go. They made decent money and they just wanted to just 
chill and <laughs> fix a few things here and there. Uh, they weren't quite motivated. So guys who were really motivated didn't really stay in motorman positions too long uh, because the ones who did, they kind of liked it there. And they just, like I said, they fly under the radar. They don't like to be seen. They make decent money. And, um, yeah, the, the, there were some that were lazy, but, I mean, let's be honest. Everyone can be lazy at, at times. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I love directional drillers. I mean, there's some buddies of mine who are in the directional world, but they kind of think they know everything sometimes. You know, it's, uh, I don't know if I want to say that. but Well, oh, no, I'll say it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, they sort of seem to have a solution for everything, including your drilling fluids. Um, if their equipment's not working, it must be because of your drilling fluid and not because something broke. Right. So usually we have a pretty good laugh when their equipment actually did break. Um, they usually don't like to talk about it. Um, but the other thing, I mean, you know, directional directional drillers are notorious for one. They tend to make more money than just about anybody else on the rig, um, and they also tend to be left out there for a very very long time. So they may finish a well and then get sent to another rig right away. Um, and so you'd meet some that hadn't been home for three, four, five months, um, but they'd always have pictures of the boat they bought or you know the the pickup truck waiting for them when they get home. Um, and so that, that was always kind of an interesting thing to me is how comfortable they were just being left out in the middle of nowhere for such a long time. But a lot of them you'd hear were just saving up their money so they could do something else after 10 years. That's true. No, it's, uh, and again, everyone's important. Uh, mud engineers, we're kind of a unique breed as well. I mean, uh, people who, you know, from the outside in, they think we're just a bunch of scientists on location, um, which in essentially we kind of are, we're, 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 we're chemists and we're, uh, scientists and, you know, we mix chemicals in our little lab on location. So we're kind of quirky sometimes. Um, but yeah, there, there's some unique, unique folks out there and the ones who had been out there the longest, I don't know if it's cause they're mixing chemicals in a lab for the majority of their life, but, uh, you know, they can come off a little sideways, but you know, everyone's rough around the edges on a drilling rig. I got to say after two weeks on a rig, you, you kind of get quirky, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's just, like I said earlier, personalities from all walks of life. It's uh, it's it's a real-life circus show, to be honest with you, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, you, you realize there's just quite a lot of moving parts. Um, and it's just, I, I think it's so interesting because I think most people aren't aware that there's so much support that doesn't actually work um, directly for the oil and gas company. There's some somebody that they've hired out for their expertise or their equipment. Um, and, and mainly they're trying to keep everything on task. Um, but anyways, uh, I think that's, that's it for the rig location. That is. If anyone has any questions, shoot, shoot us an email and we'll be happy to answer. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.